0: You are the next listener on Bass Edge Radio. We appreciate you being here this month. And let me tell you, we are going to let some fireworks blast here on our July 1st Bass Edge Radio edition. Hey, thanks for tuning in. And just a reminder, Bass Edge is
1: presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. Guard your boat against grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete boat ramps by visiting them at keelguard.com.
0: Well, hey, Aaron, what do you say we strike a match and let these fireworks blast off? Stay tuned. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio.
3: Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in 3, 2, 1. You are listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios. High above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks.
0: Welcome back to Bass Edge Radio. We are excited for a new show here this month. We've got a great Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight coming up for you in the next segment. And I tell you what, Aaron, we're here in July. And, you know, I just finished up my pro bass camp for youth here at Lake Amistad. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about doing these youth programs and getting kids involved in fishing. So it's an exciting time. And summertime is the best time. You know, everyone's on vacation. We got Fourth of July coming up here real shortly. So there's a lot of great family time coming up up here in the next couple months.
1: Absolutely, Kurt, and you know, it is a fun time. Of course, as you know, I'm a big tennis fan, and we're smack dab in the middle of Wimbledon, so it's going to be interesting to see who kind of holds that trophy high here in the next week or so. Also, like you mentioned, July 4th, want to throw out a tremendous gratitude, appreciation for our current troops, those that have served in the past, and certainly uh, recognize them, really for us being able to fish on a regular basis, so hats off to all of you. Hey, Kurt, I do want to throw out something, you know, a lot of times we get orders, we get questions, but one that came in particular that came across my desk that the Bass Edge staff handed me was a, an individual, Robert Blommer from Michigan, actually made a request. And I'd like to throw this out to some of our Bass Edge listeners, but Robert had a question. He purchased our electronics DVD and was concerning the Minn Kota autopilot trolling motor that has a remote control to go with that. So if okay. anybody has any experience with that, shoot us an email so that we can get Robert some feedback. You know, Kurt and I, we do not have have those and we're very reluctant to provide any feedback when we don't have experience ourselves but a lot of good things going on Kurt yeah
0: that's for sure Aaron we're excited to really get the summer kicked off here and get in some deep water fishing maybe a little shallow water fishing and we're going to talk about a bunch of that stuff today with Justin Lucas and our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight
1: well you know Kurt and bringing up this July time frame and the heat that we're talking about so much it kind of begs me to point out the importance of protecting yourself while you're on the water and that comes to not only hydration, but also sunscreen and protecting yourself against those, quite honestly, cancer causing UV rays.
0: I'm glad you bring that up. Drink a lot of water, get really hydrated. My wife gets on me all the time because actually, you know, one of the things that can happen because of lack of hydration is getting cramps at night, getting headaches. You know, there's a lot of uh, real negative connotations that can happen to your body by not being hydrated, and not utilizing sunscreen and that type of thing. And Aaron, didn't you have an episode of a little sun poisoning at one point? What happened there?
1: Boy, I did, Kurt, and that was a lesson learned and thankful to be okay. I actually went down to the Red River, was pre-fishing for a BASS open back in the day. You know, I'm from Missouri, and we have heat and humidity, but nothing like what I experienced down there. I think we had five or six consecutive days of over 100-degree temperature. And, and I'm fairly dark-complected, so I handled the sun pretty well. But basically, I got sun poisoning. And uh, when you're fishing daylight till dark, it made me sicker than a dog, which, of course, as we know, if you're not feeling good, it causes you not to make good decisions on the water. But more importantly, it has a tremendous impact on your health. And ever since then, I've had to kind of watch it when I'm out in the heat. But one tip that I do want to throw out there, water is great, but also when you have extensive exposure to the sun, you've got to replenish those electrolytes. And I had a doctor tell me, and I start doing this now during the summer, I buy that big jug of Pedialyte in the orange flavor. It doesn't taste good. Yes, it's for infants, but it's heavily concentrated with electrolytes. You throw that on ice and you feel like a million bucks.
0: Awesome. That's great stuff. i tell you one other tip that I can provide all listeners is I really went to wearing a long sleeve shirt. You know, you've got a lot of great fabric technology these days. And, you know, I'm always trying to wear long sleeve shirts, no matter how hot it is outside. And a lot of times with the new technology, it can actually cool your skin down and make you feel a little bit comfortable out there in that hot weather.
1: Oh, that's great advice.
0: I'll tell you what, Aaron, let's get the show rocking and move on to our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. I'm excited to have this young guy on the show. He's going to bring a lot of knowledge to our Bass Edge listeners. So let's roll in Justin Lucas
2: at legend boats we have one agenda to build the finest bass boat on the water it's our passion our hand-laid hulls and zero tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth dry ride even in the rough stuff the alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform the alpha 199 fast and stable. And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend. More
3: Bass Edge in 30 seconds. First
2: by land, and now by sea.
1: mentioned, we are featuring another Bass Edge newcomer during the Lucas Angler Spotlight. He is a California transplant that now calls Gunnersville, Alabama his home. When he's not filling out bank deposit slips from his tournament winnings, you are likely to find him hosting one of FLW College Fishing Tournaments. Let's give a warm Bass Edge welcome to Justin Lucas. We have interviewed a few different anglers that have picked up and moved across the country in order to kind of facilitate their angling careers. Matter of fact, our very Kurt Dove is one of them. Why did you move from California
4: to Alabama and how has that helped you? First things first is, you know, Alabama, we all know it's kind of like the Bass Mecca. You know, you've got Gunnersville and Pickwick and then you get the whole Coosa River chain, not to mention it's right in the heart of the South and you've got everything else around within a few hours drive. So that was, you know, the first thing. Second thing is the fact that in California, we don't have any lakes like the Tennessee River. All the lakes out there, Reservoirs And we have water That's like 300 feet deep Out there at Orville Or Shafta Something like that Actually kind of like Smith Lake in Alabama But there's nothing Like the Tennessee River And when I kind of studied I don't want to say study That sounds bad But when I studied Like how western guys Did on the Tennessee River You know that was like One place where people Always seemed to struggle Coming from out west So I knew that If I was going to try And hone my skills You know anywhere Specifically That being on the Tennessee River Would be a perfect fit And I absolutely love it there the very first time i went to gunnersville in 2009 i was a co-angler for flw tour event and david fritz won that tournament and uh, i got second on the co-angler side and i remember pulling up into the town of gunnersville to the lake and everything and thought in my head like I'm going to live here one day. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to be here. Nice. And then it just so happened that uh, a couple years later, I moved out there. So it worked out well, man. I'm very happy.
0: That's awesome, Justin. You know, I think there's one thing that's often overlooked about the commitment that a lot of professional anglers have to the sport in general. Just like you moved from California to Alabama. You know, I moved from tidal water fisheries, you know, the East Coast and in, in Virginia and the Potomac River to Lake Amistad, and, and that was basically to extend my fishing year. Instead of fishing for six or eight months a year, I could go ahead and fish all year long and, and start a good guide business out here. You know, there's obviously some differences between fishing tidal waters for me and, and fishing Lake Amistad. And, and as well for you, you know, you hear a lot about different techniques in California. And a lot of times, Californians are very innovative, the drop shots and the flip in. And there's a whole lot of different things, you know, swim baits. There's a lot of things that have happened in California that then kind of ventured to the East Coast. Can you talk? a little bit about some of those fishing styles or really mental attitudes it seems like from west coast anglers to east coast anglers where they kind of come up with a lot of new types of techniques and bring them to the east
4: that's a very true statement and i won't say that the people in california are the ones that necessarily make everything up too because we learned a lot from japan you know when i lived out there just like the drop shot for example i mean a lot of guys will think it came from california uh in all reality you know it came in japan but i would say the biggest thing that's really helped me out here and now everybody's caught on to it and now it's really ruined with the alabama rigs but the whole swim bait fishing and when i moved to gunnersville that was something that i felt like i had in my bag of tricks and i killed it for a while on it and it's still a great bait at gunnersville and the whole tennessee river for that matter but there's still several lakes back here that you know the local guys just won't ever try a swim bait or they won't ever try the drop shot with a pink worm on it. You know, some guys are like, I ain't throwing that pink worm. Well, guess what? You know, if the water's <laughs> clear, I'm going to show up to your lake and throw a pink worm on a drop shot and I'll catch fish that have never seen that before. So I think the thing with California is everybody always wanted to try things that the fish hadn't seen or things that were new. And everybody out here is just comfortable with the things that have always worked.
1: I think that's an interesting point, Justin, because, you know, like most guests that we have on here, you're a student of the sport and you know Bass Edge is built on raising the angling IQ regardless if you're formally competing fun fishing or you know walking the banks of your favorite pond or city lake how did fishing from the back of the boat as a co-angler because you alluded to that earlier in your opening statement when you first went out to Gunnersville, you were fishing as a co-angler how did that make you a better angler and what was your overall approach When you were fishing out of the back of the boat?
4: Well, I I started fishing out of the back of the boat when I was 19 out west. And to me, at 19, I was too young to have the knowledge to do well out of the front. So it was just a no brainer that, hey, if I want to do this to the next level or possibly do this for a living, I wanted to do it for a living. I didn't know if it was going to be possible. I knew that I had to get out there and learn from other anglers, other anglers that were better than me. And obviously fishing as a co-angler is the best way to do that. And then when I fished on the tour level as a co-angler for a year, I felt like I was getting close to ready to fishing as a boater, but I still needed that one year. You know, there's so many guys that'll just jump on tour without having that knowledge. You know, you're going to struggle. I mean, you can't compete against guys that have been doing it for so many years without that knowledge. And when you can get in the boat with a guy like Jay Ellis or Bren Ayler or whoever it's going to be, you learn more in those eight hours than you would learn in three months fishing by yourself, that kind of style and stuff. So it really cuts down on learning curve but there comes a point too where you go okay no more co-angler then you start learning more on your own and that's when the decision making of tournament bass fishing comes into play
1: is that different for each angler or what do you use as your benchmark to kind of aha the lights go off it's time for me to make that step or that transition because that's a question that we get a lot of times
4: honestly this was my thing the whole time from the very beginning Once I make enough money in these tournaments, I'm going to move up to the bigger tournaments. And once I make enough money in those tournaments, I'll move up to the bigger tournaments. So my whole thing was I'm not going to move up to something where I'm not ready because I haven't even conquered the level before. You know, I almost treat it like a video game or something. You know, you're just trying to jump all these levels, but hey, you can't get to the next one unless you get enough points. You know, it was the same way for me. If I didn't make enough money to go fish the bigger tournaments, then I wasn't going to go. So I gradually made more money and more money and more money and did better in the tournaments. To me, that's the best thing to tell people because, you know, I was a young angler at one point and I wanted so bad to have the rap boat and be, you know, in FLW Magazine and be in Bassmaster Magazine and be doing all these things, be on TV and and all that. You want it so bad, but you forget where you need to start and how you're going to get to that point because, I mean, there's maybe a couple people out there that just are naturally gifted, but even those guys, if they didn't fish all the time, they're not just going to go out there and be good. So you've got to practice your skills. You've got to go out there in different conditions and you've got to be fishing tournaments and learning to make decisions. You can't just jump to the top right away. No matter how bad, you know, we all want to be there. There is a learning curve that you have to go through to get to that point.
0: Yeah, Justin, I think you're right. You've got to set a plan for success. That's the key to this. And I've often told people, you know, many times before when they're asking me, if they had co-anglers when I started, I'd have been on the co-angler train in a heartbeat. Just like you said, you learn so much. You don't have to read the magazines. You can go out there and you're watching the magazine article happen in front of you. So uh, there's no better way to learn than, than being there on on the boat and, and on the water and then and then making your own adjustments and doing your own thing and that's why you've been able to move up because quite frankly you kick butt, you know, on the co angler side and then you've been able to move up and you sent benchmarks for yourself. I think everybody needs to have, you know, particular benchmarks that they can set to know that their confidence is ready for the next level. Because when you just jump in two feet forward, you can really get burned quickly. And then a lot of times that'll cut your interest to the sport period. Because if you're not having success and you're not having fun, you know, that's the last thing you want to have for a hobby in your life, if that is your hobby or something that you're trying to make a living at.
4: No doubt about it. And as expensive as the sport is, you have to be ready when you make that jump because it's not like you just go out there and okay, I'm gonna put this you know, this year is gonna cost me ten grand, fifteen grand. I mean, most of the times unless somebody's very fortunate, that's not the case. You know, you're gonna be invested into it for more than that your first year, you know, and then hopefully you do well that year and get some sponsors and then the next year you're invested less. But it's just one of those things, it's a really big gamble if you're not ready for it. And so my thing to everyone is be ready for it and things will work out the way that they should.
0: Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, Justin, obviously through all of your success and, and time that you've come through, this is my favorite question that we can ask anglers here on Bass Edge Uh-oh. because it really helps people <laughs> People try to identify their angling identity. Okay. So I got to ask you this question. What is your favorite bait technique and strength that you rely on? So, So basically, who is Justin Lucas? What is your angler identity, your fallback plan or certain technique that you favor? over others.
4: Okay, I've got two. I've got a little one-two punch here. Normally, anywhere that I go, unless it's a Red River, because you can't even see two inches in the water there, the very first bait I pick up normally is a swim bait of some kind. I've got several that I throw from out there in California, whether it's a hollow belly type swim bait with a jig head on it or some of our tricked out custom swim baits out there or uh, Osprey Topo Talon. But what the swim bait does for me is it quickly allows me to see what size fish are in the lake? Because you always get followers on a swim bait for the most part, and it matches the bait perfectly in every lake you go to. I mean, there's nothing that really truly looks better than a swim bait in the water. If nothing else, if you're not catching them, you'll see fish. And once you see those fish, you know, you may learn how to catch them. That's one thing I always have tied on. But my second thing that I always have tied on, no matter what, anywhere that I go, is a six inch UV tight lines, just six inch worm. It's nothing special. I put a nail weight in the head and wacky rig the bait. And I use a uh, never slip bait tape to wacky rig it. Awesome stuff. And I have in practice I'll actually tie the line, you know, without a hook, just directly to the never-slip bait tape and shake off bites, you know. I do that so often, and that bait is so key for me in tournaments because typically when we go somewhere, I've noticed it happen even throughout practice into the tournament. I may be getting bites on the swim bait, like say under docks, you know. I'm getting bites on a swim bait, and I'm seeing followers come out, and, you know, they're really active on it. But after all the pressure of tournament fishermen through three days of practice and everything, by the time the tournament comes, I know those fish are still there But I got to go in there with the little finesse worm, you know, something that we do out in California that they still don't see a lot of out here is that, you know, little wacky rig worm. And I'll go in there and catch the same size fish that we're looking or eating the swim bait, you know, three, four-pound fish will eat that worm too. So that's two things that I have tied on almost no matter where I go anywhere in the country.
1: Justin, quickly before we go to break, talk to us about the role that confidence plays putting fish in the boat and also how big of a role does lure colors you know is that more of a confidence factor for you or do you feel that they are legitimately a difference maker in instigating more strikes
4: I would say that lure colors are more of a confidence thing the thing that I'll say about confidence here's the best way to put confidence because I have seen it happen whether it's to me or I've done it to someone else somebody goes down a stretcher bank and they don't catch a single fish off that bank and if you have a bunch of confidence and you know how the fish are positioned On that bank, and you know you're confident that you're going to go down that bank and catch fish, and this other guy didn't know that you could go down that bank and catch three or four fish that that guy missed. And I've had it happen to me, you know, and I've done it to other people. Confidence is everything, but it's not easy to acquire because you have to be catching fish to gain the confidence. And no matter what anybody says, when you go to a lake and you only get three days of practice, that is probably the hardest thing is to gain confidence in a lake that you're unfamiliar with. But once you do it, it makes all the difference in the world I mean that's why you continually see the best anglers at the top it's not because their casting is better it's not because they put their coat in the water better than anybody else or man they sure do run that trail motor really sweet you know <laughs> nothing like that Kevin Van Dam goes down that bank and he knows he's going to get a bite because he's that confident I mean Kurt you've seen it plenty of times out there dude it's just it's the sure. way it is I've lacked it myself this is my fourth year as a professional now fishing as a professional on FLW tour and tell me End the last year and this year, I really didn't consider myself a professional angler. I just didn't give myself enough credit, which I have to give myself to get my confidence up. And it's not an ego thing or it's not being conceited or anything like that. You have to know that you can go out there and I have to know I can beat David Dudley. I have to know I can beat Brent Ayler. If I don't know that I can beat them, I might as well stay home. You know, it's worthless to go out there.
0: Keep your boat pretty, wash it up and wax it up because that's about the only way you can be looking good. <laughs> yeah,
4: that is the truth. I don't think that makes sense, man. I mean, that's the way it is. So.
0: I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, confidence is we talk about this all the time on Bass Edge Radio and confidence is such a huge factor. There's no reason to play the game if you don't think you can win it so i'll tell you what justin real quick we need to take a break pay a few bills here and we'll return as we'll be talking about summer patterns as well as answering that listener question you're listening to bass edge radio oh oh oh
2: O'Reilly. Whether you're on the road, on the water, or in your backyard, there's a superstar battery when you need one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. From car batteries to batteries for your lawnmower or boat, every superstar battery comes with a nationwide replacement warranty. Starting power, starting performance, and starting reliability, SuperStart batteries available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. O, oh, oh, oh,
3: O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove.
1: We are back on Bass Edge Radio, and this segment of the show is brought to you by Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. From real oil to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit lucasoil.com.
0: It works. Well, Justin, here we are. We are smack dab in July, and quite frankly... It's just plain hot out there. Give us some specifics on what type of areas you're keying on this time of year and how you're going to go about locating bass right here in this hot summer.
4: That's a great question. I mean, the most important thing to me is being closer to deep water this time of year. You don't have to be fishing the deep water necessarily, but being close to it where the bass, you know, can move up and down real easy and being close to current. You know, if there's current on a lake this time of year when water temperatures really rise, they're definitely going to relate to that current. So... As far as looking, you know, those are the first areas that I'm going to look at. And it doesn't matter. It could be the Red River. I'm bringing it up because it's such a different place. But deeper water there, you know, they may live in a foot, but now they're going to be in three or four feet, but closer to the current. Or it could be Table Rock where... You know, they're going to be out in 20 to 30 feet. Either way, my favorite thing to throw this time of year, and if nobody else agrees with me on this, then you guys just aren't fun, but (laughs) topwater. And I don't care. You know, I love the drop shot, and I'll go out there and catch them on a drop shot once the sun comes up. But I guarantee you, no matter where I go in the summertime, one thing I'm doing is I'm getting there as early as I can because I want to throw the topwater. And getting that bite on the topwater bait, we all know how much fun it is. I love throwing a Lucky Craft gun fish that's my favorite one and one thing I really like about it is the fact that there's just quite a few people that throw it but still everybody picks up a super spook or a pop bar or something and it's still different enough that I think you get a few extra bites on it anyway and it's just a fish catcher it really produces but if I can't catch them on a top water this time of year in the morning I'm just not enjoying it as much because we all know how hot it is once the afternoon gets up
1: you bring up a good point there Justin in that summer you know provides both shallow fishing and some deep offshore opportunities. But how do you determine which group you're going to be targeting, and why do you pick one over the
4: other? Again, it depends on each lake, but for the most part, if it's a tournament setting, I'm going to be looking for deep fish because there's probably going to be a bigger population out there that'll last over a multi-day tournament. But there's always going to be a lot of shallow fish, too. I've seen it time and time again. You know, and We've seen Bassmaster tournaments that they've had that water's 90 degrees, and fish are in a foot of water. From what I've heard, I'm not a biologist or anything like that, but I've heard that the oxygen level is actually pretty good really deep or up in that super shallow water. So if you don't like fishing deep, you can always go real shallow and maybe throw on a frog around some bushes or something like that or some grass. You know, that would be a fun way. If I wasn't in a tournament, that would be the way that I would want to go catch them probably because I think it'd be more fun. But you know, when it's job time, you got to find those big schools. So I spend a lot of time out deep in the summer I'm just going out on the weekend buddy I promise you I'm going straight to the bank <laughs>
0: <laughs> I relate to that completely Aaron you posed that question about you know shallow fishing deep fishing right here in July when it's so hot you see all these different tournaments that take place and quite frankly whether you like tournaments and you tournament fish or not it doesn't matter they are a huge example for things that we can learn from anglers and in bass fishing and Justin I just want to ask you a quick question because I know you were probably related with this event or at least. Have have knowledge about it, but there was an FLW tour championship a year before last. I think it was at Owachita. And the first thing you think is, well, everyone's going to be out deep. They're going to be fishing all this deep grass and fishing all this deep stuff. And then all of a sudden, out of like the top five anglers, there's four of them that are up there fishing in a foot and a half of water with top waters. Then you got Scott Martin out here fishing this deep offshore stuff. Can you talk and relate back to that question that Aaron just mentioned about maybe what are some bait fish or different things that the fish are keying on that time of year that's going to get them shallow or get them deep, and that's how you're going to target those bass.
4: Yeah, I actually, you know, I fished that tournament. I came in 13th in that tournament. I had a really good day. One, I caught them 16 pounds. I remember it vividly. It was a lot of fun because what was going on that week, and it was August, is the brim were on feds like crazy. You know, we were right there during a full moon, and there is a small population of big bass up shallow. And they were cruising in little packs of, you know, anywhere from three to seven, eight fish in a pack. But they would all be two and a half to four pound, five pound fish. And they're running those banks. Uh, looking for those brim beds. And if you found the banks that the brim beds were on, it was on at one point or another. Really, you just had to come through when they were swimming through. It was the craziest thing that they would actually swim through and all herd up these bluegill. And I saw them, the bluegill, up on the bank. They were so scared, they jumped out of the water up on the bank, flopped around the bank, <laughs> get back in the water and get across. <laughs> and that is no lie. I've never seen it before, but I'm telling you what, that is something that will get you excited. You know, if you don't like fishing out deep, Obviously, you know, the tournament was one out deep. It was almost one up shallow, but it was one out deep. You know, like we said, that's where the big populations of fish are going to be. But there's still those fish that are going to move shallow throughout the summer, and they can be really good fish. And for a one-day tournament, you know, a club tournament or anything like that, you could win off those shallow fish for sure. And uh, everybody thinks so you grew up in California, you love to fish deep. I love getting on the bank anymore. I mean, that's just such a fun way to fish. When I mean, you see bass acting like a great white, attacking these little baby whale, bluegill things, you know, up on the bank like that. It's crazy, man. And you just don't get to see that happen out there. So it's not fun to me if it's not cheap
0: anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that goes back to you mentioning before. You know, first thing you're doing is getting out there early in the morning, chucking around that top water because you want to have more fun than everybody else. When you get one, you want to have the one that you really enjoy having. So uh, I bring that up because I just really wanted to show the versatility of summertime. Summertime, you know, a lot of people get it etched in their mind that you know there's only one way to do something, or they get to the point where they think it's just not happening, and they kind of give up a little early. And sure, things are a little bit tough for that time of year but if we really dig deep and focus and look in both shallow and deep water opportunities there's just all kinds of things that can go on in the summertime that some folks just might not realize so
4: one tip i'll give everyone is to get around that full moon you're going out on the weekend you know if you get the weekend off and you're going out on the full moon weekend in july or august those brim are going to be spawning i've seen it on every lake now that they do that and if you go by up shallow and you see a brim bed and you see brim on it mark it with your gps fish down the bank or fish you know even two hours and come back later, and you might catch it at the right time, you know. So it's not one of those things where you just go by and see it and go, oh, dang, they're not there. You know, it's a spot that if it's a good-looking broom bed and it looks like the moon, you know, it looks like a bunch of little craters everywhere. And when you see that and they're active on it, you need to mark that spot and come back and hit it several times throughout the day because, like I said, those bats are going to herd them up and then they leave. And then they come back when they're hungry again. And they'll do that, you know, two or three times a day from what I've seen.
0: Great tip. i got to ask you this question. Obviously, you fish many places throughout the entire country. And so you're always looking at different conditions, uh, water conditions, clarity, temperatures, different types of reservoirs, highland, lowland, or whatever it might be. What are the determining factors that you're going to utilize if you're going to decide whether to use a horizontal a higher in the water column presentation versus one that is more bottom related?
4: Well, something that's you know up in the water column for me, it's going to be a jerk bait or it's going to be a swim bait. You know that'll just be the time of year, early spring. I know that a jerk bait's going to be a big player, but there's days when they're on the bottom and they want a wiggle word or you know some kind of crank bait. guys will say, oh, you know when it's cloudy, the reaction bites, with the jerk bait is always better. But man, you just never know. It's one of those things where no matter what, any given day I'm on the water, I'm going to have some bottom baits tied on and I'm going to have some baits you know like a swim bait, like I said, I always have it tied on. And I'm going to find out what mood they're in. The fish on the bottom, they may not be feeding as well as those fish that are suspended up off the bottom that are actually up there chasing shad or something. And then vice versa. You know, there may be fish that are suspended and actually not feeding. They're just kind of in a funk, you know, where they're just hanging out. You just can't get them to bite. You see them all over the place and can't get them to bite. Then you fish a jig down there and you get those ones that are on the bottom feeding. So, it's a tough question to answer other than the fact that I'm always ready for both deals. It doesn't matter the time of year or or anything and a lot of people you know I've always read oh the cloudiest days are the best for a swim bait blah 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 that kind of stuff I've had my best days on a swim bait on the sunniest days you can imagine but with a good breeze and that is my absolute favorite time to throw a swim bait so it's kind of backwards on everybody's thought but and there's people that won't pick it up you know when that happens but that is my favorite time to pick it up it could be 11 o'clock in the morning and sun's high and you know there's shade around and stuff like that and you can really target where they're at.
0: How does one Water clarity play in your role to pick what type of presentation you use
4: for the most part the clearer the water the more extended fish will be. They're gonna be able to sit down in fifteen feet and swim up to five feet and eat a swim bait or a jerk bait because the water's clear enough that they can see it. And if it's not clear enough to see it, then I am typically fishing on the bottom because you gotta put it within their sight. The clearer the lakes, the more you can get away. You know, and the same with throwing the topwater over deeper water. You know, I've done that a lot too with Lake Lanier or where spotted bass live. You know you fish a brush pile on twenty feet but when you come up to that brush pile you're throwing topwater over it and they'll come up about 20 feet to eat that top water. So it's just based on clarity, but if the water's clear, I'm always going to start with something moving over the top of their heads, like a swim bait, jerk bait, topwater. If the water's dirty, you know, I'm always going to be throwing a crankbait or a jig or a worm and putting it down in their face on the bottom.
0: Awesome. Good stuff, Justin. I appreciate those tips. And uh, I know all of our bass edge listeners do as well. But I tell you what, we're coming up to a favorite part of my show here as we're getting ready to award a lucky listener, a hundred dollar O'Reilly auto parts gift cards for this week's listener question. And this week's question comes from Ken Powell in Ridgeway, Virginia, close to my old stomping grounds. Ken asks, I fish a weekly tourney at my local lake, which is Lake Philpot, and each week it takes around 11 to 12 pounds to win. Usually only one to three boats even have over 10 pounds, and him and his partner, they average about 8 pounds. It just seems that we keep catching the same size fish, one to two pounds, over and over and over, and we're not the only ones. Most boats seem to do the same thing. How can we get over the hump and start catching at least three to four pounders? I know that they're there. It's a deep clear water lake, regular generation schedule, no grassy areas, plenty of woody shorelines, and a few rocky areas. I've tried everything. Any advice would be appreciated. Well, thanks, Ken. And that is from Ken Powell.
4: That's a great question, you know, and crazy as it sounds, I've been to Philpot. I was there last year for a college tournament that we had, and so I know the lake. I'm going to tell Ken right now, if he doesn't start throwing a swim bait sometime by the end of this year, <laughs> I'll have to come up there and have a talk. Him because
0: he, he should be tying one on by the years, end of the
4: show. He be better. Ken, if you're listening, dude, you need to get some swim baits on there. And I'll tell you one, it's not a sponsor of mine. It's one that should work really good in clear water. I think it's pronounced Kitek. Some people say Kitek but tech or Kitech, you can get it on HeistTackleBoxShop.com. Great clear water swim bait. You're not and, supposed to give uh, away those secrets. Really, well, hey, you know, I want to help the guy out. <laughs> I want Ken to catch those 14-pound bags. They're there, Ken. What I would say is start experimenting with some of those swim baits. Uh, I like the 3.8 fat, 4.8 fat. Those will be good starting grounds for you. And the biggest thing is, no matter what time of year, what I've noticed about clear lakes like that, you know, it kind of reminds me of how clear lake is. There's always certain rock points that come out in the lake, and it doesn't matter if it's summer, pre-spawn, whatever, there's just big schools of bass, and when the wind picks up, you know, he can roll up and start hitting them, or you see the breeze on one of them, and he runs over there and hits them, and that, that's going to be your way to catch a big bag and win some of those tournaments.
0: Awesome stuff. There you go, Ken. You got a swim baits from Justin. He's been there. He knows the deal, so, uh, man, I don't know that we've ever had a perfect question for an angler and from a guest, so that's awesome. Congratulations to you, Ken, for having your question answered on today. Show and the uh, O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question segment. O'Reilly Auto Parts, the professional parts people can make sure you send us an email and let us know that you heard your question answered on the show along with your mailing address and we'll get you that hundred dollar gift card sent out to you in a jiffy just a reminder to include your shipping address when you do send in your listener question to support at bassedge.com or post your question on bassedge facebook page for your chance to win a hundred dollar gift card from o'reilly auto parts and once you hear that question on the show you're a winner
1: Well, Justin, it has been great talking with you. Any closing thoughts or comments before we uh, let you go?
4: Man, I I just really appreciate you guys having me on. You know, I was kind of jealous. You had my buddy and my old roommate, Kevin Hawk, on a while back man, when are they going to call me? When is this going to go down? So I just appreciate you guys having me on. I can call Kevin and say, I finally made it, dude. I finally made
1: it. That's right. That's right. Well, it's it's certainly a pleasure to have you on, Justin. We just want to wish you best of luck in the remainder of the year. Hey, let's take a quick break. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio.
3: Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com.
2: Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent. Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime, unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit powerpole.com to find a dealer near
4: you. Hey, this is Ken Wharton, and you're listening to Aaron and Kurt right here on Bass Edge Radio.
0: Aaron, so many awesome anglers, and young anglers for that matter, such as Justin Lucas coming up through the ranks, and uh, great to see him having a lot of success, and uh, what an awesome interview.
1: Oh, it was, and you know, there were several things in there, Kurt, he was talking about fishing shallow versus fishing deep, the brim beds, obviously that's been an ongoing discussion, kind of concentrating on those around the full moon, even up as late as August, but the one thing that really stuck out to me was coming back, you know, if you see a brim bed that looks like that moon cratered situation, come back to that, if they're not there, and they're not feeding. They soon will be checked maybe every couple hours, but also maybe even come back to that more than
0: twice. Definitely, Aaron. You know, I see that all the time in guiding here at Lake Amistad and out fishing the tour and all over the place, all over the country. And I think not only just shallow and, you know, obviously he was particularly talking about the brim beds, but even your deep locations, you know, a lot of time we can start and work an area and it not be, you know, the right timing. And he talked about that a little bit. It's got to be the right timing. Even in a deep spot, you could be all over a nice school of fish. But if you don't have the right timing and able to generate some quick action, a lot of times, you know, we'll keep casting to a particular spot and think, well, they're just not there or or they're just not going to feed. But if you keep trying that spot, like he was talking about on the shallow stuff and even conversely, especially this time of year with the deeper stuff and maybe the ledge fishing or or whatever it is that you found out deep, but continue to retry locations throughout the day. There's going to be a couple of key feeding times or a couple of times when you just get that first fish to really react to your presentation and it can lead to several bites consecutively really quickly.
1: Well that's a great point you can certainly get healthy in a hurry and um, you know I think that's certainly the importance of fishing a pattern versus a particular spot you have enough of those put together in kind of a little milk run you're not married you're not emotionally tied to any one spot and you can keep that rotation moving eventually those fish are going to fire hey I just want to throw a shout out to Justin Lucas for joining us on Bass Edge Radio presented by Kilgard and thank you the listeners for being part of the Bass Edge family for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew I am Aaron Martin have a wonderful and safe fourth of July everybody
3: The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.